Hello and welcome to the Relationship Matters podcast. From the boardroom to the living room, we believe relationship matters. I'm your host, Katie Churchman, and today I'm talking with Faith Fuller about the aftermath of an argument. Arguments are a normal part of relationship, so perhaps we should be less concerned about the amount we argue and more focused on how we argue. And if we do blow up in relationship, and we have a particularly unskillful argument, how can we more consciously recover from the blow and go about repairing any damage we might have created? In this episode, we talk about the unwritten rules around our relationships that govern how we behave with our partners, children and colleagues. At CRR Global, we refer to these social contracts as design team alliances, which we refer to in this episode as DTAs. I took away a lot of reassurance and advice from this conversation, so I hope it's as useful for you and the relationships in your life. So without further ado, I give you Faith Fuller. Lovely to have you back, Faith. So today I wanted to talk to you a bit about the aftermath of an argument. So what happens next once we've blown up in relationship, once we've acted very unskillfully, What should we do next? I love the topic, actually, Katie. (laughs) And um, I just want to begin by normalizing for all of us and for those of you also listening out there that um, arguments are, arguments happen. Um, They are part of the tapestry of normal relationships. So blow-ups, arguments, being unskillful, falling down, screwing up, you know, whatever you want to call it, it's part of the fabric of who we are in relationship with each other. And so I think it's really important. We all know that it happens to everybody on a regular basis. And not only that, I would actually venture to say that it is precisely these blow-ups, arguments, problems that are the structure for how we evolve both individually and as a couple or a family or a team or wherever the argument is happening. So one of the things we like to say in Orsk is that uh, conflict is a signal that something is trying to change. So if you, uh, it's sort of like, relationships sort of wander along in their normal pattern, you know, we're ambling along in our relationships. And then something happens, which indicates to us that uh, there's a problem popping up, uh, or an opportunity popping up to change the relationship in some way that maybe it needs to change. I think one of the ways is to look at uh, fights, arguments. Um, It's not a problem. It is how relationships grow. So let yourself off the hook (laughs) if it's happening a lot. It's also a way that relationships ventilate, stress, strain, uh, and that individuals ventilate. Uh, And God knows, you know, right now, as we go through the pandemic, we're all under a lot of strain that needs regular ventilating. (laughs) Um, So let me normalize it first. And when I say that to you, what do you think? Oh, it's incredibly encouraging. I think as an Oscar I have this sense that once I've sorted my DTA, I should be sorted for the rest of my life, particularly in that relationship. (laughs) Yeah. And then shit hits the fan and suddenly it doesn't work anymore. And I think right now we're in the middle of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, 
not only that, I, I'm going to share a story from certification, and it happens with almost every cohort. Um, so certification is our advanced program in ORS training. And um, about a third of the way through the program, I notice our students often are going through what we call a dip in their confidence um, in themselves. And when we check into that, often we find that people in certification who've been through all the courses and now they're in certification have an image of themselves that somehow this means that they're supposed to be in right relationship all the time. And after all, you know, they've studied all this stuff. Shouldn't they be experts at their relationships? So there's often a hidden belief that, you know, if anybody really knew how screwed up I am in my relationships, they would drum me out of certification. You know, <laughs> I'm not good enough to be an Orsker, that somehow I should be an expert at relationship. And boy, let me tell you, it doesn't matter how much you have studied, worked on yourself, done therapy, done coaching, worked out your DTA, you know, it doesn't matter. Relationships are how we grow. And for better or worse, how we grow is by making mistakes, screwing up, having painful things happen. And it's a design flaw in the universe that things work that way. But relationships are the, one of the primary ways in which we grow. So uh, just please let yourself off the hook if you feel like, God, if anybody knew how messed up I am with my kids. Um, we all are that way. And it's a learning opportunity. Uh, hopefully, we just get more skillful at the way in which we screw up. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Skillfully <Yeah>. screwing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I really think that's true. You want to just be, um, it's not that we fight. Of course we fight. It's how we fight that makes a difference. So how we fight is going to make a big difference in recovery, also in the aftermath of an argument. Because if you did a no-holds-barred, eyeball-popping, spittle-flying, shrieking-at-one-another fight, it's going to be a little harder to recover from, maybe, <laughs> maybe, than if you had a skillful fight. So lots of research with Gottman and so on indicate it's, um, there are ways of destructive fighting and then there's ways of um, constructive fighting. And a constructive fight is a midwife for constructive change. And an unskillful one uh, creates you know, little scars on the relationship that you have to recover from. So the topics of toxins in relationship we'll, we'll cover in another call. But let's suppose um, you did have an eyeball popping, spittle flying um, fight with your, your partner or your kid or your team. Um, I want to just label that ventilation. Will it leave a mark that's harder to recover from? Somewhat, yeah, but you'll recover. Uh, we do. We generally recover from these things. And I just want to own over here, you know, that I have them all the time. I have the, that kind of fight. Uh, not often, but from time to time, I'd say Marita and I have a, an unskillful fight at least twice a year. And I've come to understand that when we have that kind of fight, it's an opportunity to ventilate. All the things you've been sitting on, being skillful with, not saying, trying to get over, working on yourself over, suddenly 
all gets blown out and you ventilate out all of the stuff you've been holding on to and hiding for all this time. And is it fun? No. Can it be damaging? Yes, if you uh, say super hurtful things. Um, but, and sometimes it's just a ventilation and it's, it's a little bit of a relief afterwards. You cleared out all that jammed up gunk and it's a ventilation and there's a sense of relief and an opportunity to apologize and move on from there. So I'm not advocating that kind of fight. It, it, um, and in a, in a regular basis, those kinds of fights on a regular basis can be highly damaging. But once in a while, uh, if you and your partner totally lose it and have that kind of a fight, hold it as a ventilation and then recover. I mean, I really appreciate your reframing there because there is value in everything. There's information in everything. And even the unskillful fights can be somewhat useful. So that's encouraging for sure. And I think where my mind's going is how can we then recover more skillfully? So say we've argued in the most unskillful way and we're in the recovery stage. We're starting to feel a little embarrassed, a little bit stupid. How can we then start to be more conscious about that recovery process? Right. Well, let's see what we could come up with here. Frankly, it's going to vary by individual, but a few things that are really helpful are if you have the kind of really unskillful fight where you, you know, I'm going to curse a little here, where you basically lost your shit, (laughs) you know, Uh, give yourself time to recover from flooding. If you've lost it, you probably flooded. Uh, And that means your body is flooded with adrenaline, um, you know, all kinds of uh, fight and flight hormones are coursing through your body. And what we know literally in brain physiology is that when you are flooded with that kind of adrenaline uh, and so on, it shuts down your frontal lobe and it really exacerbates your amygdala, your very primitive fight or flight responses. And it takes a little bit of time for those hormones literally to leave your body. Um, So separate. If you really have lost it, say, you know, separate out, say, look, I'll get back to you. So create the expectation that at some point you'll get back together, go your separate ways and take a walk, sit, do whatever works for you to get yourself calmed down. Just get yourself calmed down. You can't expect to be skillful when you're flooded with adrenaline. Get yourself steadied, and that varies how long that takes for people. I'm a very quick recoverer, but not everybody is. Um, some people need time to get over the injury. And, um, and so if you're not ready uh, and your partner is ready to have come back and have a conversation, uh, let your partner know that. Um, it's, not, uh, you know, it's not a damage to the relationship if you say, look, I appreciate that you're coming to talk to me again, but I'm not quite ready. It's on me. Forgive me. I, I, you know, um, but give me a little more time so I can be more skillful. So take the time you need to calm down is probably the first step. I am. I really like that because someone once told me actually the advice that you should never go to sleep without making up is wrong because sometimes sleep is the best thing. And you've sort of confirmed that, that idea because sometimes space is the biggest healer. It's, it's yes. the medicine that your relationship needs. Absolutely. You know, um, and depending on how big the injury is, it may take more space sometimes than others, mm. you know. And um, uh, so I don't think that you've got to make up before you, you know, go to sleep. 
if you can do it, outstanding. But you're a better person than I am. <laughs> you know, um, but what you can do is communicate where you are. Like, look, I'm sorry. I'm just not ready. I'm still mad. And I need a little more time. And I want to be skillful. So give me a little more time. Just communicate that. Mm. But if you don't do that, and you're still sort of wrought up about the situation, the chances of recycling the argument are high. In other words, uh, you're going in still pent up, and somebody says the wrong thing, you can blow up all over again and leave another set of messes in your wake. So wait till you're calmed down, and that could take a couple hours, you know, a day or two. It's up to you. Um, so get yourself calmed down, because all of us know that even if we've had an ugly fight, if a, if a certain amount of time goes by, we regain our senses and we often feel bad. You know, it's like, ah, oh, you know, I wasn't very skillful. As soon as you've hit that, ah, oh, I wasn't very skillful and I feel a little bad, you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're still, you know, running the argument in your head, you're not. Okay. So take the break, get calmed down, come back. And here's the next way to recover. You got to own your stuff. Um, apology is so important. I, I think we mentioned that in another podcast. Apology saying, look, I'm sorry, I was really unskillful. You don't have to say you were wrong about your, your opinion, the topic. But it's also, it's really helpful to say, I was really unskillful. You know, I still don't agree with you on the topic, but how I handled it isn't how I wanted to handle it. And I'm really sorry. It's also possible to say, look, I think we just hurt each other a lot. I'm sorry for what I brought to bear in it. You know, um, so just own, because chances are you were unskillful. It doesn't mean anything bad about you to own it. Say you're sorry for the things you truly are sorry about. Don't say you're sorry if you're not. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Sometimes people say, I want an apology. You know what? If you ask, you say, I want an apology and I'm not ready, I'm going to sort of, you know, say, well, the hell with you, but I'm, you know, I, I don't feel sorry yet. Yeah. I, I sometimes think with apology, there's a lot of pride involved. I actually had a moment of this at Christmas. I was going home to see my family in the UK. I was at the car rental place and lots of frustrating things happened that involved me not being able to rent a car, essentially. I blew up at the lady behind the desk. It wasn't her fault. It was the, the system. But at that time, it felt like it was her fault and that she wasn't helping me. After I sort of recognized that I'd been incredibly unskillful and quite rude, I apologized to her. And then two weeks later, when I brought the car that I eventually got back, um, I gave her a hug. And it was kind of wonderful that we could get to that place because she also saw that I was a human being and I'd got off a, an eight hour flight. I was excited to see my family. It was Christmas and it wasn't ideal. And the fact that I sort of owned that was in itself an apology. And I, I really sort of took a lot from that because other people are more forgiving of us than we realize because they also know that they could do that too. Well, my question is, is did you find her forgiving? Because uh, there's also rank issues there. Or did she have to be forgiving because you were her, cl her client? What do you think, honestly? Was she forgiving? I think initially there was that, um, it's okay. But then it did go to that deeper place of, I I'm, I'm actually really sorry, I'm so tired. And she was like, no, I understand. I can imagine what it's like. And um, we went there and there was a sense of empathy. So I thought that was quite a sort of humanizing moment. It was, it was a really frustrating situation for both of us. And yet we went to that place of, 
I'm sorry, that wasn't fair. Can you forgive me? And and it was, yeah, really wonderful. Fantastic. So, you know, Katie, I wish all of us could do that, uh, you know, and it's particularly really helpful to do that with employees if you feel like you were unskillful. I need to say in CRR Global right now, it feels like I'm in a constant state of apology. And so is everybody else because we're all so stressed and moving so fast and making so many mistakes because of that, that we're stomping on each other's toes. And so, but just to say, look, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I really was unskillful. It's the, it's the grease that keeps the relationship moving is mm. to say, I was unskillful. I'm sorry. You haven't yeah. resolved the issue. You've just said how I handled the issue wasn't great. Yeah. I think people always want to be understood. So if it's a calm enough situation, you can go and explain to somebody why you had the reaction you did, not in terms of how they were wrong, what they did, but in terms of what you've discovered about yourself in your time off. So I can say something like, I really lost it because I feel like I've been explaining myself to you know, people all day long. And you were just the sixth person I had to explain myself to. And you know what? It was the straw that broke the camel's back. Not your issue. It was mine because of whatever. So take ownership for the reasons why you lost it. Mm. And, uh, and, but don't tell them what they did. That will just reignite the fight. Mm. In a good situation, you can say, here's what I need to own about what is triggering for me. And you yeah. know, maybe they can say, yeah, I get it. This is what was triggering for me. So you need to learn from the mess up. Like, what yeah. did you learn? It's quite hard for people sometimes to talk about something without focusing on the other person. Yeah. Store it from their own perspective, even though that's the story that they live in. It's quite hard actually to frame it from that um, angle. Ah, I love what you just said. And this is why half the time in a fight, we're running a story in our head about what happens. And our story in our head goes something like this employee always is late, you know, and they're late because they, they're not organized or because they're not a hard worker, or I'm so sick of people that never have their, don't take responsibility for getting their work in on time. And pretty soon you have a full-fledged story, a narrative about what that person did to you. And your idea of why they did that to you, which is usually about what a bad person they are. But, uh, you know, I never forgotten a story that I heard about uh, somebody who was riding on a, on a train and um, across from them was a, a family with a father and uh, three young kids. And the young kids were running wild around the, the, the car of the train and yelling and screaming and stomping up and down the aisles. And everybody was getting really irritated on the car. And finally, this one person went over and said, would you please mind, you know, managing your kids? They're really creating, you know, an incident here in the train. And the father sort of started and he said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We just come from the hospital where their mother died. And now that's a very dramatic story. And you can imagine how the person who said, please manage your kids, you know, felt but the truth is we don't know why that person did what they did. And so we could become curious about, I have my story about what's wrong with you, but what's your story about what's wrong with the situation or what's wrong with me? Because it's just a story. 
It's what we make up. We don't know the other person's experience. So find out what was their experience. It's not the truth. If their experience is that you're a jerk, that's their story. It's not the truth about you. It's their story. Your job is to check, well, what do, am I a jerk? Well, here's how I was a jerk and here's how I'm not. But that's their story, not the truth about you. And your story about them isn't the truth either. It's just your story about them. And everybody's walking around with different narratives in their head. And then we come together and sometimes those narratives clash. And um, it's just a, a difference of perspective. And we've never walked a mile in anyone else's shoes. And I try so hard when I'm driving sometimes to, to think about what the driver that cut me up must have been doing. They must have been driving to the hospital or they must have been doing some life-saving mission. They're probably not. But I try to hold that because occasionally it will be someone in that situation. And then you would be, yeah, go, go ahead, go ahead. I mean, it's hard to hold that Dalai Lama-esque mentality all the time. It is a helpful way, I think, sometimes of viewing conflict. Absolutely. And I love that you, you do that. Most of us just sort of write the other person off as a jerk. <laughs> I do do that most of the time. This is me, one in 10. <laughs> That's great. So you don't know what's happening in their land over there. So there's the discussion of the topic. And before you do the rediscussion of the topic when you're untriggered together and you've owned your story, then another thing to do is design how do you do it differently next time. So um, in other words, that, you know, you can talk together about, look, I, I don't want to uh, talk to you at the end of the day when I'm all worn out and I've been skillful all day long and I have no goodies in terms of skillfulness left for you. So if we're going to discuss this difficult topic, let's, let's do it on Saturday, first thing in the morning when we're both rested. You can design concretely. You can also design emotionally. Like, look, when I get upset about this, I need to, I want to part before I lose it. You know, before I lose my temper, give me, if I say, look, I need a minute. Just give me a minute so I can get myself back in my adult self before we, you know, whatever it is for you, you can redesign once you know what is going on behind the scenes that will help prevent that from happening again. So redesign how you want to have the fight before you start it again. Um, yeah. You know, the argument, you want to move it from being a fight to a constructive conflict with resolution. Yeah. So design about it. And then hopefully, um, you know, and just know some fights are quick. Some fights take months to resolve. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, a severe injury in a relationship like an infidelity or a betrayal of some kind can take months, sometimes years, um, because they leave a big scar. Mm. So the final thing is, you know, avoid team toxins or, or you know, John Gottman's toxins. And repair bids are helpful, and we can do a whole other talk on that. But a repair bid is going to somebody and saying, look, I'm sorry. Or it could just be resuming, you know, bringing somebody something. There are a million ways of just touching somebody as you go by to indicate connection, reestablish connection, um, and then go back and redo the argument. So questions, thoughts? Um, well, I just in the UK, we always make a cup of tea when we're doing our repair bit. That's our <laughs> translation of that. <laughs> Go make a cup of tea or take a cup of tea to your partner. Yeah. And if it's got sugar in it, then that's a real repair bit. If it hasn't, then, you know, it's still going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So out there, just forgive yourself if you're having a lot of conflicts at this stressful time. Um, and uh, forgive yourself, forgive your partner, pick up and move on because it's part of relationship and you'll grow from it if you can take the time to see what you learned. Thank you so much, Faith. Thank you for normalizing this for me and for everyone else out there because I don't think it feels normal and natural when you're in it. So thank you. Yeah, you know, I don't worry about couples that... Um, have fights if I consider that they, John Gottman said this, he said, it's not the amount of fighting, it's how you fight. Uh, so he says he sees couples that have high conflict, but they also have high affection. There are other couples that just never talk about anything that break up because they never processed. So it's not the amount of fights, it's how. Mm, it's the how. Thank you, Faith. Thanks, everybody. Good luck out there. Thanks for tuning in to the Relationship Matters podcast and to Faith Fuller for normalizing conflict within relationship. It's okay to argue. What matters is how we argue. And if we do occasionally blow up in a really unskillful way, that's okay too. When we recognize we've been triggered into a fight, can we be more conscious about the recovery process so that the aftermath of an argument can lead to new learnings and new ways of being together in relationship? If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you never miss a conversation. And for more resources, articles, and information about Faith's work, check out crrglobal.com. From the living room to the boardroom, we believe relationship matters.